1: It's less than a hundred miles from Armageddon to Gaza. I have made the journey. Are we all about to make that journey? But this time in reverse and baking with white phosphorus. Robert Fisk remembered. And Ursula von der Leyen is unequivocal. Cutting off people's electricity and water and food is nothing more than an act of terrorism. You didn't expect that from her, did you? All will be revealed. We'll be talking to two very significant guests in the great arguments that are raging now about whether or not the Israeli operation against the 2.2 million people in Gaza is a war crime. It's all coming up. Over the next two hours, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night.
2: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: Armageddon really is a place, and it is less than 100 miles away from the Gaza fence, at least as was. Question is, are we now on the brink of making the journey in the opposite direction? There are very good reasons for thinking so. Not only is Gaza being reduced to rubble and thousands of people killed and wounded in a place they cannot escape from by the world's most fearsome weaponry supplied gratis, indeed with money attached by the United States of America. The Israeli Air Force, because there is no ground incursion, therefore there is no fighting directly between Israel and the resistance movements, the most significant of which is Hamas, but there are many, many others. There's no ground incursion, therefore no one can know who is being killed by the shot and shell and Missiles that are raining down on the uh, little tiny place that we call Gaza, the Gaza Strip. It's called a strip for a reason. It's a narrow strip of land. It's less than 25 miles long and it is less than five and a half miles in width. There are no entrances and no exits that are open. Israel controls most of them and Egypt controls one of them. And Israel makes it clear by one way or another that it will not permit Egypt to open its gate at the frontier. And if Egypt shows signs, as it did this week, of disobeying orders, sending a huge convoy of humanitarian aid, Israel bombs the Eretz crossing point. Having said that the Palestinians in Gaza should leave, it bombed the place, the only place by which they could leave. The truth is, this is shooting fish in a barrel, because half of the population of Gaza are women and children, half of them are children, and half of them are women and girls. And so, the statistical probability, overwhelmingly, is that the majority of casualties will be women or girls and it turns out they are. According to the Ministry of Health, 60% of the people in Gaza's hospitals are children. Now, I want to make one or two things clear, some of them painfully clear. Killing civilians is a sin and a crime In any religion and in any system of law. Taking women and children as hostages is also a sin in any religion and a crime in any jurisdiction. Therefore, uh, the prison break, which I talked about at some length on Sunday, and which has now attracted more than 10 million viewers, of what I have had to say in the last 72 hours, was, of course, entirely to be expected, as Gideon Levy, the greatest living Israeli, pointed out pointedly, powerfully, emotionally, in the hours after the event. But the subsequent events included war crimes and crimes against humanity. Of course, the lie machine has gotten to work on what happened after the prison break occurred. All kinds of horror stories, many of which have now had to be walked back or in the case of the LA Times, recanted, were clearly the products of the feverish workings of the propaganda lie machine. In parenthesis, I point out to you courtesy of my good friend Ian Puddock, that on this day, 33 years ago, a suitably veiled young woman appeared in front of the United Nations, described as a nurse from the hospital, the children's hospital, the maternity ward in Kuwait City, and she tearfully, sobbing through her veil, pious, you see, couldn't be identified, sobbing through her her veil, she told the world that she had personally witnessed Iraqi soldiers removing babies from their incubators, throwing them on the floor, stealing the incubators, unplugging them from the wall, and taking them away, back to Iraq. It wasn't just a bright shining lie. It was an expensively purchased lie. A public relations firm in Washington had been hired to manufacture the lie. And the young woman behind the veil was not a nurse, had not been in Kuwait, and had not seen what she claimed to have seen She was the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador in Washington, D.C., hence the need for a veil. I close the parenthesis now because I'm going to get on to very sensitive topics. When I learned that 40 Israeli babies had been decapitated by Hamas individuals who had been part of the prison breaker, I was filled with a dread, a chill that I cannot properly describe to you. If this story had been true, it would have joined the annals of the most depraved, debased, cold-blooded murder-slaughter of the innocents in all history. I immediately doubted it, of course, for lots of reasons. The first was that if this had really happened, the gigantic best-in-the-world, best-in-class Israeli propaganda machine would have immediately removed any doubt about whether or not it had happened. We would have seen the pictures, at least of the children while they were still alive. We probably would have seen the blurred images of the decapitated babies. But we have seen none of those things. Even the Israeli state television reporter, who first claimed that this had happened, then said she had no evidence that it had happened, but soldiers had told her that it had happened. Max Blumenthal, may God preserve him, and Grey Zone have now tracked down who was the soldier, singular, who told this reporter this hideous, demonic story And he turns out to be a fanatic settler leader, not just a fanatic settler leader, but the leader of a particularly atrocious cult of Israeli illegal settlers on the West Bank who had only days before said that he wanted to entirely erase from the earth A Palestinian town. This story was a lie, just like the Iraqi incubator story, just like Gaddafi giving Viagra to his soldiers to carry out rapes in Libya before the Islamist fanatics were helped into power in Tripoli by France, Britain and the United States of America. Just like so many fake atrocity stories which are manufactured to manufacture consent for what is about to happen or what is already happening. This story was a foul lie. The liar will never be judged in this life. But the Western journalists, and I include every single British newspaper that ran with this story on their front pages today, even though by the time the paper had come off the press, even Sky News was saying that they would not broadcast this story because it was completely unverified that they had asked the Israeli army three times if the story was true, and had not yet, they said, and I can add, have not now had this story verified. It is a lie. And if the crime would have been As grave and depraved a crime as can possibly be imagined. The crime of inventing it to distract attention from the actual decapitation of hundreds, hundreds of Palestinian children under the bombardment in Gaza itself ranks in the annals of the sick art of atrocity propaganda to justify one's own atrocities. The hottest circle in hell awaits. Those, including some senior people, who ought to have known better, maybe did know better, retailed this story to justify the slaughter of the innocents in Gaza on which they have made no comment at all. I've seen them, so have you, or you wouldn't be here. These children, charred remains of children, being carried out or burning buildings, collapsed buildings, you've seen them. But the vast majority of the public in Britain and America and, I dare say, other European countries have not seen them, will not be shown them. Indeed, the European Union has threatened Elon Musk and Twitter because these videos are seen, at least on some social media platforms. We've seen the hysterical woman weeping for her two infants. And the only thing she could say is, my children died hungry. They hadn't even eaten, and now they are dead. We've seen the man holding his infant daughter for the last time, stiff and lifeless, with a hole in the side of her head. We've seen the burnt offering Of children being carried from those buildings. And none, none, none of these correspondents that retell a fake story about murdered infants have shown the slightest interest in enlightening their, in some cases, massive followings on social media, this reality that I am describing to you now. More than a thousand Palestinians are dead in this carnage of the last 72 hours or so. And more than a thousand Israelis are dead in the same 72 hours or so. In ordinary times, in former times, such horror would have precipitated A massive international effort and demand for a ceasefire and immediate negotiations to bring about an end to this carnage and an end to its endless repetition every four years or so. But not this time. Joe Biden, instead of demanding a ceasefire, has sent. Not one, but two American aircraft carriers are to the shores of the Levant in the Mediterranean. As President Putin put it today, what have you done that for? To frighten people. The people in Gaza, in Palestine, in Lebanon, in Syria, are no longer frightened of anything. Least of all you. Joe Biden. The Western governments, and that's why I now say this is a NATO war, are all, every one of them, explicitly and overwhelmingly, in total, absolutely unequivocal Support for Netanyahu. The same Netanyahu that many of them and their tame journalists were telling us had now formed a cabinet of far-right fanatics, even fascists, just a few short months ago, that were showcasing the demonstrations of millions in Israel to bring Netanyahu down I'm now one behind him. Sending him weapons like he needed more weapons. Sending him money like he needed more money. Sending their ministers. James not so cleverly today. Scurrying like a rat into an air raid shelter. When he heard the sirens. The Palestinians in Gaza have no sirens. And they have no Air raid shelters. They have nowhere to hide, Mr. Cleverly, unlike you. The NATO powers are now so fully invested in this war that Zelensky is almost in a state of collapse. All the buildings that used to sport his colors are now sported in the colors of others. All the money that used to come to him is now instead being diverted to the latest thing, to the latest NATO war. Zelensky knows the game is up. The Russian armed forces are advancing rapidly, and not a single news outlet in the Western world, any longer gives a damn. As vivid a vindication of what we have said all along as you could possibly imagine. The poor Ukrainian people sacrificed, hundreds of thousands of them, for one NATO war, are now forgotten by the NATO countries in favor of the next thing the next war, but this next war is going to be the big war. It's going to be a war like no other. A million Israelis were hiding in air raid shelters this very afternoon because the alarm was triggered that the Lebanese resistance, Hezbollah, had sent drones and paragliding troops and were firing heavy weapons across Israel's northern border. And they were right to take shelter because if and when that happens, it will be a terrible, terrible whirlwind. As it happens, it was a false alarm. The Israeli alarm system had been triggered, it seems, by birds. But that's how close we are to a general conflagration in the Levant. Hezbollah have said, if there is a ground invasion by Israel, they will enter the war. If they enter the war, Israel will then be fighting on two fronts until the other fronts almost immediately open up. Because the Palestinians, the Lebanese, have friends all over the region. And their biggest friend of all is Iran, which is more than capable of turning this war into the kind of ruination of the world economy and maybe the world itself that was described so vividly by Scott Ritter on this show on Sunday night. Now Mrs. von der Leyen alone amongst all the western statesmen and women was unequivocal when she spoke about the act of terrorism It's the only thing you can call it, she said. Cutting off people's water, electricity. At the onset of winter, cutting off people's food, water, electricity, was terrorism. But tweets are receipts, you see. And I found one from Ursula von der Leyen. Attacks against civilian infrastructure, especially electricity, are war crimes. Cutting off men, women, children of water, electricity and heating with winter coming, these are acts of pure terror and we have to call it as such. She issued that tweet on the 19th of October, 2022. The sharp-eyed viewer will have Realize that I left out one word. Her first word. Russia's attacks against civilian infrastructure, especially electricity, are war crimes. Cutting off men, women and children of water, electricity and heating. With winter coming, these are acts of pure terror. But only if these terrorist acts are threatened by Russia, if they are actually carried out by Israel, these acts of pure terror have Mrs. von der Leyen's full support and the support of every other hireling in the European Union. That's so good. We really need to hear her saying it, don't we? Let's hear her. Pay attention. The international order is very clear. These are war crimes. Targeted attacks on civilian infrastructure with a clear aim to cut off men, women, children of water, electricity and heating with the winter coming. These are acts of
0: pure terror. And we have to call it as such.
1: There's not really much you can say about that depth of cynicism, double standards... Hypocrisy? Is there, is there anything left to say other than the words that dripped from her own mouth? These people are beyond wicked. They are evil. We are led by evil people. Those who are facilitating the mass murder of innocent civilian Palestinians are evil people. And unfortunately, Whether you like it or not, they're doing it in our name. Now we are asking on the poll this evening, is Israel's massive attack on Gaza justified or a war crime? Almost 25,000 people have already voted. We need you to have your say now. I'll be right back with the one and only low-key on this, I'm sure, and other matters. Stay tuned.
2: I'm
0: Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax,
2: and think about
0: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com.
2: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now,
1: I'll be talking to Loki in a minute about one KC Here's a better one from Julian Malin's KC King's Council. I have said for months that the British mainstream press, especially the newspapers, as a result of their dishonest reporting of the origins and course of the Ukraine war, are dishonest. But today's newspaper front pages are surely even worse. Let us resolve never to buy them. So... You can vote on the poll. Is Israel's massive attack on Gaza? It's looking like a record poll, this. Is it justified or is it a war crime? If you want to comment on anything I've said or didn't say, then you can call free of charge. If you're in the UK or Ireland, 08081965522. That's 08081965522. And if you're in the US and Canada... Again, entirely free of charge. Toll free. Plus one, 844 944 That's plus one, 844 944 And if you're in the rest of the world, it's 44203-966-2625. Loki is a rapper. He's an activist. He's the founder of the Watchdog uh, portal. And he once traveled through the night with me to Gaza. Apart from all of that, he's actually a genius. He won't thank me for saying so. But you'll agree, I'm sure, at the end of this interview. Loki, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I want to start with someone that I, I couldn't bring myself to talk about in my uh, opening. Sir Keir Starmer Casey, the leader of Her Majesty's opposition in Parliament, went on a British radio station and said that Israel has the right to cut off water and electricity from the people in Gaza, acts with which Mrs. von der Leyen described as acts of pure terror last year, and acts which are explicitly forbidden in international law and the laws of war. How did we reach
3: such a stage? It seems, George, and thank you for having me, that Keir Starmer is actually more pro-Israel than Philadelphia's favourite son, Benjamin Netanyahu. Let's not forget that what you have just described are forms of collective punishment, which is a war crime according to the Geneva Conventions. And Keir Starmer is supposedly a human rights lawyer who should know that. But instead, Keir Starmer is somebody that for a long time has cavorted with the Israel lobby in this country and done its bidding to the nth degree. We cannot forget that one of the key funders of Keir Starmer has been Trevor Chin. Trevor Chin is a key figure in the Israel lobby and a former director of BICOM, which is the Israel lobby group that through its We Believe in Israel project led by Luke Akehurst, who's on the Labour Party's NEC, sought to have my music removed from Spotify but I'll tell you something about Keir Starmer George that maybe the viewers may not know that despite his servility to the Israel lobby even within his own constituency Israel is so unpopular that the headquarters of Elbit Systems Israel's largest arms company was driven out of the constituency by Palestine action the direct action organization that has taken to shutting down Israeli arms factories in this country. So even in the constituency of Keir Starmer, Elbit Systems was driven out. So despite his best efforts to prostitute himself to the Israel lobby, it does not seem like it is getting across to the public. That sentiment is not shared by the masses.
1: Uh, He doesn't really mean it, Loki. Uh If he did, it wouldn't make it any better, but I can tell you he doesn't really mean it. I was at a meeting against Israel's aggression that he addressed in 2015. I've also seen the video of a meeting he addressed calling on the football authorities to kick Israel out of FIFA. The truth is, this man is just a rancid, rancid, lying opportunist. That's all. Don't know if that makes it any better or even worse. What do you think? Uh,
3: Well, I believe it. I mean, we also know that prior to that period of time that you're talking about, he was the director of public prosecutions. Now, during that time, the only foreign state attorney that he met with and accepted gifts and hospitality from was Moshe Lador, who was the state attorney of Israel. And not long after that, he made the decision to block the prosecution of Sipi Livni, somebody that myself and yourself have stood on platforms protesting against and denounced from those platforms, when there were arrest warrants actually put out for her in this country by judges. He, as Director of Public Prosecution, uh, blocked that prosecution. We also won't forget that during the protests against Operation Karthelid, where we saw many young North African and Middle Eastern youth criminalized after they were beaten by police outside the Israeli embassy, 2008, 2009, it was Keir Starmer, who was Director of Public Prosecution at the time, when a lot of those young men ended up serving years in prison. So I believe you, but I also believe that he may be the type of person who does not have any solid convictions and blows with the wind when it serves his interests.
1: Well, speaking of blowing with the wind, uh, the first time I ever came across white phosphorus, I was in Beirut in 1982. When Israel invaded Lebanon in what they called Operation Grapes of Wrath. And the Times, as was then, had the peerless Robert Fisk as their correspondent on the front line. How times have changed. And Robert Fisk wrote a piece about the effect of white phosphorus. He talked of being in the hospital wards in Beirut, where children had smoke coming out of their mouths and nose, because they had ingested this white phosphorus gas, which then proceeded, as he put it, to literally cook them from the inside, and nothing could be done to help them. They burn to death from the inside, from the white phosphorus, which is now a war crime, officially, to use against civilian targets. But Israel is now not only using white phosphorus in Gaza, it was using it again in Lebanon yesterday. And I haven't seen that even reported anywhere.
3: Your thoughts? Well, let's be clear. Um, The United States also used white phosphorus in Fallujah. And we saw that, along with the use of depleted uranium, being uh, blamed by many for the increase to an exponential level of the amount of cancers that are in the area of Fallujah. Now, part of the reason that Israel is able to do this is those weapons often come from the United States, but the funding to buy the weapons comes from the United States. And we're not just speaking in sentimental language when we say that. The United States literally gives $10.4 million a day four hundred and thirty thousand dollars an hour seven thousand two hundred and twenty nine dollars a minute and a hundred and twenty dollars a second of u.s taxpayers money supposedly to racist israeli apartheid in palestine and i'll tell you u.s politicians when you consider that equation are fairly cheap because in 2020 Uh, pro-Israel lobby groups only spent about $33 million um, on funding members of U.S. uh, Congress. And you'll be interested to know that uh, the Democrats almost got double the amount that the Republicans got from the Israel lobby at that time. And we remember in 2021, after Ma'arakat Seif al-Quds, the battle of the unity and tefada as it was known, you saw US Congress vote immediately to give another billion dollars on top of all of that to Israel, which was then given directly to the US arms company Raytheon and the Israeli arms company Raphael to replenish the Iron Dome system. So this is what we are talking about. And it was interesting, George, that you mentioned earlier NATO's involvement. And in many ways, Ukraine and Palestine are now front lines of NATO's war against the global South. But Israel is believed to have carried out assassinations in at least 18 other sovereign states, from Italy to France, to Cyprus, to Greece, to Norway, to Germany, to the UAE, to Egypt, to Jordan, to Uruguay, Lebanon, Brazil, Tunisia, Belgium, Malta, Malaysia, Syria, Iran, Several of these states are NATO nations, but yet they do not believe in their own sovereignty to the extent that they would back Israel in the way they would do, despite the fact that Israel is believed to have carried out assassinations on their soil. You're a
1: Rolls-Royce of a young man. I'm sure everyone else that's watching is thinking that too. Sorry to raise this, I was looking at uh, a video just minutes ago before the show started of us uh, on the march uh, with the lovely Annie Lennox and other people from the music industry marching uh, against the, uh, I think, 2008 war, but it may have been one of the interminable others. But the music industry today was summed up by Justin Bieber, who thanks to you I know, put out a tweet with a picture of the destroyed Gaza with the words, I stand with Israel on it. He thought the picture was Israel, but was in fact the handiwork of Israel in Gaza. What's happened to the music industry, the cultural milieu, because from what I can see, even the right-wing, so-called right-wing populists demanding freedom of speech and freedom not to wear a mask and all of that, they have all fallen in behind the drums of war
3: and genocide. What's happened, Loki? But when it comes to the music industry, you may be interested to know that some of the most interesting and politically challenging music historically was released on Universal Music Group. So for instance, Reggae for Peach, the song for Blair Peach that was released came out on who was killed by the police um, uh, in the 80s, if I remember correctly, um, or maybe the late 70s. This was released on Universal. 70s, yeah. the 70s. But today Universal is headed by a gentleman by the name of Lucian Grange. Now Lucian Grange attended a fundraiser for the IDF in 2016. His wife is also a key donor to the Conservative Party and to the Zionist Federation. On top of that you now have a director of Universal Music Group by the name of Chaim Saban, who is one of the largest fundraisers for the Israeli military in its history, and he's credited with scripting uh, Joe Biden's Palestine uh, policy. On top of that, you have another Israel lobby group within the music industry called the Creative Community for Peace, which is the same organization as Stand With Us. It's headed by someone called Dave Renza, who also came out of Universal Music Group. So just to make clear how powerful Universal is, we're talking about the Beatles, we're talking about Michael Jackson, we're talking about Bob Marley, we're talking about some of the biggest artists that have ever existed, assigned to a label, which at least for the last 10 years, has um, pro-Israel figures at the helm. And we can also say that Lucien Grange, he's recently been put on the Board of Trade by the Conservative government. He was a regular guest to David Cameron at Checkers, um, And Lucien Grange has so much power in the music industry that in 2019, he earned in bonuses in one year as much money as all UK songwriters made off of streams in one year. This is the CEO of Universal Music. So essentially the same dynamics, which dominate uh, the media industry, also uh, dominate the music industry. So I think that discourages artists to really study these uh, issues in depth and definitely steers them away from uh, supporting the Palestinians in the way that uh, maybe Annie Lennox and others did previously. Loki, thanks for joining us
1: on the mother of all talk shows and the best of luck with your music career.
2: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: Dan Cohen uh, has been indefatigable in his defense of what's right and his defense of truth, not just on this conflict, but on many other things and for a very long time. And he's making a movie about Gaza. We'll ask him about that in a minute. But Dan Cohen, thanks for joining us again. Uh, I know that you're not having it easy. I saw some of the death threats that are being uh, sent to you. Uh, And I know that in the United States, actually, things have gone mad. Uh, At least there was a body of political opinion. We might call them the Trumpers, in the United States that were opposed to Joe Biden's war in Ukraine and they had many big names uh, attached to that opposition but the the right wing the populists the Trumpites are gung-ho for the slaughter in Gaza
2: how come? Well they simply don't have principles in their anti-war position I mean they've long been saying that they want the united states to uh, stop focusing on funding the ukraine proxy war and focus on china Um, that's what they've been they've been seething for and so i've advocated allying with the populist right in with ukraine because this is just simple politics we need as many people as possible to stop a war um but in this instance when it comes to israel uh, there is there is pro war as as anybody um, so it's a very revealing moment um, I mean in terms of the you know harassment and threats I'm getting it's you know I'm I'm too laser focused and I've seen too much in Gaza itself to worry about uh, chatter on Twitter um, but uh, I mean we're in we're in a remarkable moment George I just I, I you know I don't know if you saw this I just saw right now before we started Hamas actually released an Israeli woman and her child who, uh, from captivity. And there's video that Al Jazeera published um, showing them crossing uh, the fence and being taken by Israeli authorities. So Hamas is actually demonstrating goodwill towards the Israeli public, the Israeli people, while Israel is obliterating Gaza and inventing stories about beheaded Israeli babies. I mean, this is remarkable.
1: Now you I saw a tweet from you you Bar Mitzvah in in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv I forget which uh but you also lived in Gaza. Uh that's quite a journey. Tell us about it.
2: Well, I mean like um you know just any Jewish American I was raised with the idea that Israel was some kind of liberal uh inclusive diverse paradise um where Jews had a home and so I was had my Bar Mitzvah there with my family. And then years later, when it became more critical and I dove into journalism, um, I went to to live in Palestine for some years and and see what, what it was really like. And that was my initial experience in journalism. And that included seven months inside the Gaza Strip, in which I uh, filmed the, the documentary Killing Gaza, which uh, I made with Max Blumenthal, and we released some years ago. Um, and, you know, so I don't think there is really any journalist in the United States or maybe in the West that has as intimate uh, of a knowledge uh, of both Palestinian and Israeli society as I do. So it's given me very, you know, unique insights, and I feel very privileged to be able to have had those experiences.
1: That's why they won't debate with you. I mean, yeah, exactly. Dan, you could exactly. wipe the floor with them precisely because of this identity of yours.
2: And not only, you know, my identity certainly is, is, is one thing, but just, you know, the fact that I've seen... Uh, what israeli state terrorism in gaza means i've seen the dead children i've seen israeli bunker busters take down 13 14 story tower buildings um you know that i, I later saw an israeli general compare to 911 so i i see, i've seen i've seen too much i know too much about Uh, What Israel does I've seen their crimes and so they won't let me on any mainstream media. They won't debate me Um, I just had the Israeli embassy in in the US attacking me on Twitter calling me a spokesperson for Hamas simply for saying that Israel should negotiate with Hamas to secure the release of these uh, uh, Hostages and captives inside the Gaza Strip and then of course Hamas releases uh, one of the most the most vulnerable, um, the mother and child. So I mean, there's just no way that any Zionist, any Israeli official can uh, debate me. Um, neither w- will the right wing, any of these fake populist right wing phonies. You know, Charlie Kirk or or Ben Shapiro or Barry Weiss, who claims to be anti woke but is just lying all the time. Um, so they're all frauds, and I can expose them, but they're just afraid to debate me. It's that simple.
1: Yes, uh, I know that feeling uh, myself. Uh, the the uh, film that you made uh, with Max, Max Blumenthal, may God preserve him, uh, is uh, fantastically good and still available. Uh, on YouTube. You can still watch it. You can watch it after this show and you should. But you're now proposing to make another, which I predict will be a real blockbuster. Tell us about that.
2: Well, so uh, I've been working on a film for several years um, that I, I can't actually say what exactly the contents are, what it's about right now, um, because I'm in the process of fundraising in order to secure the rights to it. But uh, I can guarantee it is basically the most explosive film about Israeli society. Uh, I think that there will that I that I have seen, and it's partially done. Um, and so I'm intending to finish it and release it as soon as I can uh, secure the funding and 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 complete the edition. And with you know, i was planning to finish it in the spring. But with the explosion from uh, from from Palestine the moment is now. Um, so, you know, if anyone wants to c- contribute to that effort, um, you can go to my uh, Twitter. Um, there are all kinds of ways to donate. You can find me on Patreon at Uncaptured Media. Uh, my pinned tweet has a link to go uh, buy me a coffee. You can contribute there. So the sooner I'm able to fundraise, um, the sooner I'll be able to to finish and release this documentary. But uh, I, I wish I could say more as soon as I'm able to secure the rights to it to secure the documentary I'll release a trailer and this uh, I think will this will show what it's really about. I look
1: forward to it now um your uh, your courage, your integrity shines like a beacon, and there are others uh, who are Jewish and in his case is also an Israeli and living and working in Israel. How's that for courage? Gideon Levy traverses the country. He was yesterday uh, down in the south. He was visiting the uh, kibbutz that were attacked by the Palestinian fighters, uh, where people had lost people, um, family members and so on. And of course, he rightly enunciates a sense of anguish and pain for people's loss, and yet makes the point that Netanyahu is to blame for this. Now, it's only a few months ago that everybody was saying that, Dan. Every liberal journalist in the world was denouncing Netanyahu, just weeks ago, actually. How have they found it so easy to forget all that? And fall in behind Netanyahu and now Gantz uh, in the war party. I don't get it.
2: It's amazing. They have, it's like the memory of a of a goldfish. I mean, it wasn't long ago, as you're as you're <laughs> saying that they were calling Netanyahu prime minister and demanding he be uh, uh, imprisoned. Um, and but those are for you know kind of smaller crimes in Israeli society, not for uh the, the war crimes, the crimes against humanity that he has overseen against the Palestinian people, which is the real, actual, the serious crimes that he's committed. And so once Netanyahu uh uh his the the failures of the Israeli government led by Netanyahu to anticipate the uh this operation from Gaza despite uh, warnings from Hamas directly saying that we this the situation needs to change, the siege needs to be lifted, um, and warnings from Egyptian intelligence about there was something imminent. All of this was ignored by Netanyahu and his fanatical uh, regime of settlers and Kahanists who are bent on just expanding uh, their colonies in the West Bank and ethnically cleansing Jerusalem so they completely ignored Gaza and I think they were drunk on their own power their hubris but now that uh their their incredible failures have led to a massive war an un- of unprecedented scale uh in in Israel um they're all lining up behind him all of the liberals who were denouncing him are all lining up behind him as some kind of hero so Um, It's really remarkable. And meanwhile, you have Bezalel Smotrich, one of uh, Netanyahu's top allies, the finance minister, who uh, is now saying, let's, um, you know, let's not worry about those hostages. We need to hit Gaza really hard. So I think what we have to ask and what the Israeli public should be asking is, is the Israeli military strategy to bomb Gaza so hard that it kills the hostages that are being held undoubtedly underground in the tunnel uh, complex. This would be in line with the Hannibal Directive, which is the Israeli military policy that any soldier that is taken into captivity will be bombed and killed so the uh, so the so their opponents do not have any leverage. That's precisely what happened in 2014 when uh, al-Qassam, the, the Palestinian armed group, um, cap- took captive Hadar Golden uh, in the southern Gaza city of Rafah, and they uh, enacted the Hannibal Directive, bombed the area massively, killed hundreds of Palestinians, and killed Hadar Golden. So we have to ask, is that what they're doing now? But not just with one soldier, with some 150 Israelis, including not only many soldiers and top commanders, but also civilians, uh, grandmothers, and children, and you know people who need to be um, negotiated for their safety uh, promptly. So it's the most cynical thing I've ever seen. And, you know, if I, the Israeli public should be outraged at Netanyahu.
1: I, I suspect that they will. Gideon Levy said today that this cannot possibly end with Netanyahu still in power. And I'm sure that that is true. How can people uh, find your work, Dan? I know that many will be wanting to. Uh, especially after this interview, they want to support your film. Tell us uh, where you can most often, most easily, be found.
2: Well, you, I'm very active on Twitter at Dan Cohen 3000. Um, I'm a lot of my work I do for Redacted, the YouTube or Rumble channel uh, with Clayton and Natalie Morris, and uh, I also have my own small outlet, Uncaptured Media. That's the jumble of letters behind me that you see, where I'll be doing uh, work there as well. Um, So anything, you know, people can contribute, even if it's moral support, I appreciate. Um, But if you can contribute a couple dollars or pounds, uh, then it's, it's much appreciated and it will help me get towards that goal. So thank you, George, so much.
1: Thank you, Dan Cohen, for everything that you do and will do in what I'm sure will be a long life of journalism and activism. Now, you can see both my film Killing Kelly and... My first film, The Killings of Tony Blair, absolutely free if you support me on Patreon. Uh, There's the uh, coordinates, patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. You get Killing Kelly and The Killings of Tony Blair, absolutely free. If you sponsor me on Patreon, it'll cost you less than the cost of a cup of tea per week in an insalubrious cafe. I really need your support on Patreon. Please, if you can, please do so. Uh, Will DM, one of my Patreons, uh, on the killings of Tony Blair, says, thank you for sharing your film. It's an outstanding piece of work, as I assumed it would be. I remember my late father's remarks about Blair vividly. Quote, I will vote for him, but I don't trust him. Unquote. What sage words... They proved to be. Well, God rest his soul, Will, and thank you for your support and how sage these words were indeed. On the poll, uh, Moat's legend, that's the higher level of supporter of mine on Patreon, Hafsa, says, Let's not sugarcoat what Israel is doing. The guise of self defense is, in fact, genocide being committed against the Palestinians, pure and simple those that speak out against the apartheid are shown the anti-Semite card and blacklisted for life, like Jeremy Corbyn. And uh, Moat's graduate, John C., says, without doubt, Israel are the aggressors. Bit by bit, they've been strangling the Palestinians since 1948. They are not interested in peace and fairness. For Biden to talk about evil after Japan and Vietnam, the Americans murdered millions with the atom bomb and napalm in both countries. He has definitely lost his marbles. And Skousa Lahr says, it really disturbs me how the so-called mainstream media and politicians are normalising attacks on civilians in Gaza by constantly saying Israel have the right to defend themselves. Do the Palestinians not have the right to resist their occupation? It's the equivalent of the RAF levelling Dublin or Dundalk, in response to the IRA. Utterly absurd and criminal. Uh, Neda is in Northampton. She's a woman from Gaza, but living in the UK. Give me your point of view, Neda.
0: You said I'm currently living in England. My family is currently in Gaza. And I'm just, like, sick about, like, what's going on there. And it's, yeah. it's just, like, very frustrating to be, like... To see the headlines of the newspapers in England, of like one-sided, and turning blind eye about like, all the children being killed and innocent people in Gaza, as we speak, and they're justifying mm. it, and it's just like I just can't comprehend that. Um, I'm, I'm actually worried about. It's difficult
1: like, to off- comprehend. I want to ask you about your family. Uh, are you still able to? Be in touch with them. I know with the electricity out, all this darkness, uh, people uh, cannot charge their telephones. Uh, are you able to keep in contact with your family?
0: I, my family is one of the fortunate families that we I I still can get in touch with them till now, but don't know till like till when this is gonna last. Um, it, I don't know. Is, is just so frustrating and just very stressful um i've I, i'm worried about an in, like invasion and what would that mean like th- it's just scary times and there's a lot of speculations and I, I i would like to know your opinion what would that mean to people in gaza like civilians uh, in gaza it would if, be if, and,
1: It would be a complete catastrophe for everyone involved. And I'm I'm going to stick my neck out. I have a feeling that it will not happen, not just because the casualty, uh, the likely casualties amongst Israeli conscripts. And remember, almost all of the Israeli soldiers are conscripts, part-time soldiers, reservists. The death toll amongst them, and of course the very large number that will be taken prisoner or hostage, uh, will be enormous. They've got 150. Uh, Now, try 1,500, or many, many more than that, which would be the result of any ground invasion. The uh, terrain, every inch of it, is known by the defenders and not known by definition by the poor bloody conscript that will be sent in with a gun uh, to fight amongst the rubble. Uh, That's one reason, but the bigger reason is that a ground invasion brings Hezbollah into the war. And as we've seen today, from a false alarm the ability of Hezbollah to send the Israeli society reeling is very large indeed. And behind them stands all the allies that I've talked about uh, earlier. So my, my gut feeling is that there will not be, but if there is, uh, then it could very well end up not just in a regional war, but in something even worse than that last word to you Neda
0: thank you very much I really appreciate your like your broadcast it's been... yeah
1: all... Thanks. Thanks. thank you so much Jacqueline is on the line in South Wales on Palestine go ahead Jacqueline oh hello George
3: hello can Hi. you hear me
1: yeah, the whole world's listening. Go ahead, quickly, please.
3: All right. George, I was just wondering, with your extensive knowledge of Palestine, Israel, all the
1: Middle East, why is it you're not on the um, main media, you know, BBC, ITV, uh, Sky, uh, etc.? Well, Jacqueline, if you look on YouTube at my, my biggest ever... A television encounter. It was on Sky News in 2008. More than 100 million people have watched it. You'll see, I describe it as my greatest victory, you'll see what happened when Sky News invited me on and they will not do so again. Uh, they cannot do so again because the case that they are shilling for is so weak and threadbare that anyone with the well first of all the courage to challenge it, secondly the knowledge uh, to uh, challenge it uh, will will tear their case apart and they can't afford that because this case gets yearly annually less defendable uh, and so to have someone like me on uh, it would be Mike Tyson in the ring. Uh, with Jacob Rees-Mogg. It would not be uh, credible. But here's the rub, Jacqueline. I am speaking to far more people right now and over the next three days until we get to the next show, I'm speaking to far more people than watch BBC or ITN. Certainly Sky News that's watched by hardly anybody now at all. And the so-called GB News, whose commitment to free speech turned out not to be worth a dime, last night, at peak time, was talking to 11,000 people. So Jacqueline, you've come to the right place. The mother of all talk shows, Global University of the Airwaves, where 10 million people have engaged with our output on this subject in the last 72 hours. It's been a difficult show, been a difficult three, four days. I'm up till five o'clock in the morning, as some of you will have seen with the time on my social media activity. I'm up through the night, I can't sleep. As the father of six children myself, I'm particularly fixated on the total disaster in which the Palestinian children are now trapped, literally trapped, in Gaza. I have been, for more than 50 years, active in this cause. This means that children that I met 50 years ago are now grandfathers and grandmothers of today's Palestinian children, as was referred to, I led convoys of aid, 20, 30 days on the road, trying to break the siege of Gaza. This subject is a red line for me. I've blocked people that were friends of mine, because in the words of Elvis Costello, when he said, somebody better put out the big light, I can't bear to see you this way. I cannot bear and will not bear people making light or behaving in an opportunist way towards this catastrophe that is now being faced by millions of people with nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. I will not remain silent for opportunistic reasons. Trust me, I have many times over the last 50 years Wished I could get out, but I keep getting pulled back in. Once when I was running for mayor of London, I got off our campaign bus uh, in Kilburn, on the Kilburn High Road uh, in London. And as I got off the bus, I found myself in the arms of an elderly Jewish man with the precious uniform of Jewish ex-serviceman, regalia, a man who'd fought fascism and Hitlerism in the Second World War and was proudly wearing the beret and the insignia and so on. And so we, we ended up in a kind of embrace. And he said to me, if you'd been with us, you'd have made it all the way to number 10 Downing Street. And he gave me a hug and I went on my way. But I could never have been with Israel. Though most of my fellows in Parliament were only too eager to do so. Here I stand. I can do no other. Until my last breath, I will stand here. And after me, my sons, my daughters, and my grandchildren. And I hope. Many millions of others. I have actually watched the support base for Palestine grow over that 50 years from a few hundreds to many millions. And those millions in Britain and in America, those millions now know they have nobody to vote for. If you vote for Rishi Sunak or if you vote for Sir Keir Starmer or if you vote for whichever Joker is today in charge of the liberal Democrats, if you vote for any of those, you are voting for massacre in Gaza. And in a way, fundamentally, that is the most depressing fact of them all. Thanks for joining us. I hope very much uh, to see you on Sunday for the mother of all talk shows at the earlier time of 7 p.m. UK time. It's the mothership. I no longer have to appeal to you to bring another viewer because the viewers are coming in, Billy o. Thank you very much indeed.